fast note before we get started today. Please know this podcast may contain content that may be disturbing to some listeners. All opinions expressed are that of the individual and are not meant as a substitute for professional mental health or medical advice. We advise reading the show notes for more detailed description before you listen to this podcast. Remember, mental health matters. Please take good care of yourself. It's Tammy Lawrence's Symbolisti here. Welcome to the I'm Still Here, Messages from the Other Side podcast. This is a group that no one wants to join, but unfortunately, we will all be in this club at some point in our lives. We discuss the grief journey and receiving messages from the other side when our loved ones let us know that they are still close. Together, we will learn to navigate to the other side of grief while still being here. Hello, everyone. Today we are speaking with Daniel Hebert. He owns a medical supply store in Tilsonburg. Daniel lost his son, Jack, at 16 years of age, which was almost three years ago. Hello, Daniel. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. Good. So you were just sharing with me before we got on here of an interesting experience you had that brought you to owning a medical supply store. Yeah, it connects to my son who's gone. It's really interesting because when he was really sick and he knew pretty well from the day he was diagnosed, he knew it was terminal. And as he got sicker and knew that he wasn't going to get better, he sat with me one day and he made me promise. I used to drive tractor trailer. I used to be gone for long stretches of time. And when he got sick, I took a leave of absence to be with him and to take care of him. In a conversation one day, he made me promise that when he was going to pass away, that I promised that I would never drive truck again and I would never be away from family overnight. Like I would always be close by. Of course, you're, you're talking to your dying son. So you promise him the moon, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll never step foot into a truck ever again. 10 months I had taken off to take care of him. I was his personal assistant and his nurse. He had a, the cancer that he had, which I'll explain later, he had a full leg amputation. So he was recovering from that and then also not able to get up and downstairs as easily because he only had one leg and he was just learning how to deal with that. I was home with him and I said, yeah, you know, I won't drive truck anymore. And then, you know, he passed away and then it was 10 months that I had stayed home and took care of him. The bills had started to pile up and everything else. And then you know, I said to my wife and my daughter, I said, you know, are you guys, are you guys okay? Cause I got to go back on the road. I go to go back to work. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. And we went to grief counseling and all that. We did all that stuff. And, and they seemed to be handling it as best as they could. So I went back on the road and I was on the road for probably about a week, maybe two. My wife gets a random phone call on her cell phone from a guy who owns a medical supply store in Tilsonburg. And he just called her at random. I, we still to this day don't know how he got her phone number or why he chose to call us. But he called us and said that he was looking to retire and he wanted to sell his medical store. And he wanted to sell it to somebody that had a medical background instead of just a corporate entity or whatever. So we came down and looked at the store and we agreed upon a price and we got him a check by the end of the week. And we bought the medical store from this guy and I retired. I'm running a medical store and I bring my dogs with me. I have both my dogs with me today at the store and, and they're like door mascots and, and they work here and I work here at the store every day. I eat in my, in my own house every night. I sleep in my own bed every night. It, it's awesome. Couldn't have asked for a better outcome. Very good. So you think Jack maybe had uh, something to do with the shift in oh, 
Yeah, I know he did. The store that we have now was actually located at another location when we first bought it. And it had been in that location for 33 years. There's apartments upstairs. Let me go back a little bit because it's really important to understand that Jack was a Lego customizer. And this is going to be important in almost everything I talk about today. So Jack was a Lego customizer. And when I say he was a Lego customizer, it was his life. Everything revolved around Lego for Jack. He had an Instagram page that was devoted to Lego. He had a YouTube channel that was devoted to Lego. Every Christmas, every birthday, every dollar he could save, he spent it on Lego. He went to Lego conventions all over North America and the United States, Canada. All his friends were connected to Lego. All his friends were Lego customizers. It was everything to this child. He had dreams of becoming a, a Lego designer and everything was Lego with this child. We bought the store and for the first week, I insisted that the previous owner stay with me for a week so that we could sort of get to used to things together and I could see how things are done. And there was tenants living upstairs and one of them moved out. So the parking spot right by the store was the store's parking spot. And then there was this parking spot four spots away. That was the lady that lived upstairs that had moved away. So John says to me, you can park in that spot for the week. And then at the end of the week, I'll no longer be in my spot. And then that will be your spot. So that was great. All week, everything went tickety-boo. I parked in the fourth spot. He parked in the first spot. Everything was fine. So the last day that we were going to do this little parking sort of switcheroo, another tenant upstairs was they were loading a camper. They were going away camping for the weekend. And they parked on the road in such a way that they took up my parking spot, as well as three or four other parking spots. I could not park in my spot. So I had to park somewhere else. And then when I was coming back to the store, this is again, first thing in the morning, and I'm coming back to the store and I got into an altercation with this guy. And I just basically said, you know, you didn't have to park like that. You didn't have to block my spot. And then it started into shouting and screaming and everything else. And needless to say, the police were called and brought over because there was an argument going on in the street. So as I'm standing in my parking space, right smack dab in the middle of my parking space, which I would have not seen if I was allowed to park there, I'm arguing with this guy in front of the police. I look down between my feet and there is a white Lego brick, which I have right here. <laughs> so that is the Lego brick. It's a little two-piece Lego brick that was right between my feet in my empty parking spot which I should have never seen if I did not get into an argument with this guy about parking there and that is one of three Legos that I have found that are directly connected to the store and we moved from that location to this location which is a right on a main street downtown location and there was all kinds of like black pieces of paper on the sidewalk one day it was a windy night the night before and there was black tar paper all over the sidewalk. So I went out and I swept up all the, my neighbors and myself, I swept up all the black paper off our sidewalk. And there was one little piece of black paper that I couldn't get. And it was literally in the threshold of my doorway. And there's a crack in the grout and it was jammed into the crack of the grout. So I put the broom inside the store and I went and I picked it out and it wasn't a piece of paper. It was this black Lego brick. So now that's two Lego bricks that I myself personally have found within a couple of months of my son passing away. So then 
Mother's Day, so this is the third piece of Lego that I found at this store. Mother's Day, I was sitting here and I am super anal about smokers throwing their cigarette butts in front of a medical store. And, you know, it's a downtown location. You can't control that. People throw cigarette butts all over the place. It's just the nature of the business. But if I'm sitting here at my desk and I can see the front door, if I see cigarette butts in front of the store, I will go and sweep them up. So I was sitting here and I looked over in front of the door and it's, it's, a, it's like literally this much of sidewalk that I can see above the glass in my door before it's onto the street. Just a small little sliver of sidewalk and the width of a regular sized door. I see this red object on the sidewalk right smack dab in front of my store. I go up to go see what it is and it's this Lego brick. So now that's three Lego bricks that are just connected to this store. So in my truck, in the back parking lot, I also have two Lego bricks. So now that's five, just for me. I've got five Lego bricks. Two of them are in the truck. I was taking, my daughter goes to university in Toronto. I was driving her home. I stopped in Brantford to get fuel. And as I was pumping fuel, I looked down between my feet and there was a Lego brick between my feet. And then another time I took my daughter and wife and her boyfriend, my daughter's boyfriend, we went zip lining in Hamilton, Ontario, and we parked in a gravel parking lot and we were coming around the corner and I saw a Lego brick mixed in with the gravel on the way to my car. So I've got two Lego bricks in the car. I've got three here and I am not joking when I say we have between eight and 12 of them, Lego bricks of various sizes and configurations in a jar on our fireplace at home. I was at my in-laws place one time and I was telling my brother-in-law the story about all these Legos and as I'm telling him we're walking to my mother-in-law's house and between my feet there's a black Lego brick like <laughs> it is it is crazy I mean once or twice you could say you know what it's a coincidence it's a coincidence right but we have tons of them my wife is a nurse and she she was at a conference in London I believe and when the conference was done, she came into like a conference room. And when the conference was done, she was walking out with her medical bag. As you have a lot of times in conference rooms or in office buildings or whatever, the doors are held open magnetically with an electromagnet that holds the door open at the bottom. And as my wife was approaching the door, for some reason, the magnet let go and the door swung closed, but she wasn't paying attention. She was expecting it to stay open. The door swung closed and clipped her in the shoulder and sort of knocked her back. And as it knocked her back, she looked down on the ground and there was a black Lego brick in a conference room in a hotel where it's mostly adults, if not all adults. There's no reason for that to be there. There's no earthly reason for that to be there. So for, for us, it's the usual things that most people get with somebody that's passed on the dimes, the cardinals. I mean, we have that as well, too. My wife finds dimes all the time. I find dimes all the time. Cardinals, my son had, had a leg amputation, so he required a service dog. Dogs tend to really like me, so I really kept an arm's distance with my son's dog because I didn't want to the dog to become attached to me and want to hang out with me instead of hanging out with him. So I really kept an arm's length away from his dog, Arthur. When Jack passed, probably two days after he passed, I took the two dogs for the first time, my dog and Arthur. I took them out for a big, long walk in the woods just to clear my head. It had snowed like crazy the night before. And we were walking on this trail by a quarry near where I live. And 
I seen this cardinal fly across the trail and go into this tree. So I looked to see where it went. And I'm not joking when I say there was probably 30 cardinals in that tree. So it's odd enough to see one and to see 30 of them on the first time I took his dog out to me, that was Jack saying, thank you for taking care of my dog. And thank you for making my dog part of the family and making sure he's okay. That was really, really cool. Do you want me to talk a little bit about Jack's story? Like what happened to him? Yeah, I'd love to hear what happened. Not probably the best thing to have to talk about, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Share. Well, I'm, I'm pretty good with it because I love talking about Jack and I love talking about his story and how brave he was and, and how he really took everything in stride. Jack was, uh, so he was goofing around with some friends in high school and he wanted to slide down the hall, kind of risky business style, slide down the hall on his knees and slide up in front of his friends and kind of scare them. And he did that and he had basketball shorts on. So the one knee was covered by a basketball short, but the other knee, it rode up a little bit and he kind of squeaked a little hard on that knee and kind of like fell over and, and hurt that knee. Okay, no big deal. Kids get hurt all the time, right? So his knee was kind of swollen up and everything. And we went to the doctor and the doctor did all these feeling around and everything and said, oh, he probably just pulled the muscle, pulled the tendon, whatever, right? Not a big deal. He said, do you want to go for physiotherapy? And my son said, sure, I'll go for exercises to just learn how to help it heal. So he went to a physiotherapist and he was doing the exercises, the hot, cold and doing all these exercises and everything else. It was not healing. It was The swelling was not going down. If anything, it was getting worse. So one day he was really frustrated and he said to the physiotherapist, he's like, throw me a bone here. Like, this is not getting better. It's getting worse. And that doesn't make any sense. Right. So the physiotherapist said, well, did you ever get an x-ray? And he said, no, he says the doctor didn't think it was broken. He just thought it was a pulled thing or whatever. Right. So she goes, well, just for giggles, let's go get an x-ray to see if maybe you cracked your patella or whatever. So he went for an x-ray on his 16th birthday. We did not even make it home. And there was already like four or five emergency calls from the hospital telling us to immediately bring him back for a chest x-ray and for a brain x-ray. And being a nurse, she's like, they got the wrong people. Like he hurt his knee. It makes no sense that they would want to x-ray his chest and x-ray his brain for a knee. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So we kind of ignored it and we wrote it off or whatever. And then we got a phone call around 10 o'clock that night. It was the hospital. And they said, you need to bring him back like tooth sweet for a chest x-ray. So my wife's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not waking him up. It's 1030 at night and he's sleeping and everything else. So she's like, I'm not doing that. You clearly have made a mistake. And she kind of forced their hand. The nurse over the phone said, we think it's bone cancer in his knee. And we're like, what? So then we woke him up. We went back. We did the x-rays and it had not spread to his lungs. It did not spread to his brain. But he was diagnosed on his 16th birthday with terminal bone cancer. So he had a cancer called metastatic osteosarcoma, which is the exact same cancer as Terry Fox had. And my son basically had the exact same fate that Terry Fox had. He had a leg amputation, try and slow it down. And when he was just getting ready, just getting used to that and trying to move forward, it spread to his hips, it spread to his lungs, it spread to his shoulder, it spread to his neck. And he passed away 10 months after he was diagnosed at home. Wow. That must have been such a challenging time to go through all of that, especially when you thought it was just a sore knee. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. I remember, I mean, I, I can picture it like it was yesterday. He had, he had really loose pajamas on 
And he said, yeah, this swelling is not going down. And then Wendy and I said, well, show us, right? And he's like, well, I got pajamas on. And we're like, well, just pull them up. Like, you know, we're not going to see anything. Like, just pull them up. So he pulled the one up and it looked like a normal leg. And the other one, he could not get the cuff of it over his knee. His knee was about the size of a soccer ball. And it was just unbelievable, unbelievable. So he had a 13 centimeter mass growing on the side of his knee at the, just before he got the, the leg amputation, the, the mass on his leg had gotten so big that it actually had bent his leg. So he was walking with lump, one leg behind him, kind of dragging it behind him. If he would have not fallen on his knee, if he would have not damaged his knee and brought, drew attention to that, the osteosarcoma would have grown quietly in his bones, killing his bones until he probably would have had a couple of months. And then he would have been sitting at the dinner table and his arm would have broke for no reason. And the pain that's associated with a broken arm would have just all come at once. And then they would have said it's rampant. And they would have said, you have days. So him falling on his knee actually gave us 10 months as opposed to us not knowing anything and it was allowed to grow. He might've survived till he was 17 or 18, but then he would have died within days of, of discovering this. So mm -hmm. we got to plan a lot of trips and we got to do a lot of things with him. We're grateful for that time, absolutely. After Jack had passed away, we spent 10 months with a son, sibling suffering. Bone cancer is one of the most painful cancers there is. It was a constant balancing act with cannabis, and narcotics, trying to get him as much quality of life as we could, but still balancing pain relief and everything else. There was a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of hard times. So we were really strung out after Jack passed away. We were like 10 months of just, and on top of that, a child without a leg. So he, every time he needed a drink of water, somebody had to run down and get it for him. It was a lot. So after the 10 months, a couple of months later, we had gone to grief counselors and all that. And, and I don't know if it was a grief counselor, if it was my daughter that had suggested it, but somebody suggested that we get away as a family and we go on a trip, just the three of us, my daughter, my wife, and myself. So we basically handed off to my daughter. We said, you plan the trip, we'll pay for it, go anywhere you want to go. And we did that for a reason, because we wanted her to be occupied with planning this trip and all the details of this trip. She did, took care of all the flights, everything, and we just paid the bill. So she decided that we were going to go to Portugal, and then we were going to go to Spain, and then we were going to go to France. So we did that. We were in Portugal. We were staying at a boutique hotel. If you've never traveled to Europe, a lot of hotels in Europe, your key card actually activates the power to the room. So when you come into the room, there's a little device on the wall by the bathroom and you have to put your key card into it. And then that turns on the lights, turns on the TV, turns on everything in the room. And they do that because people are lazy and they'll leave lights on. So what happens is when you leave and you pull your key card to leave, it shuts off the power to the room. So everything gets shuts off and it's not wasteful, which I think is brilliant by the way. But anyway, the lights in our room were acting up. And we noticed it because every time we were watching something and it's, we're in Portugal. So everything's in Portuguese, right? And we found one English channel and it was like channel 38. And then we'd be watching it and the lights would flicker and the TV would shut off. And then when we turned the TV back on, we had to go all the way back up to 38 to listen to the English channel. 
And it was doing it a lot. Like it was doing it a lot. You know, we didn't know how the power grid worked in Portugal or whatever. So we're like, okay, maybe that's a normal thing around here. The bathroom had no windows. So if you went into the bathroom and the lights went off, it was pitch black. So my wife went into the bathroom, the lights went off. She's like, hey, hey. And I said, it's that it's doing it again. It's the weird light thing, right? So then she came out and I said, do you think that's Jack? And as soon as I said the word Jack, the lights started flickering like crazy. <laughs> and my daughter was really skeeved out. She's like, oh, okay, that's weird. That's weird. And my wife, who up till that point felt really guilty for having this trip without Jack. And she was not having a lot of fun. And she literally lit up and smiled and said, Jack's here with us. Jack's okay with this. He knows that we're doing this for a reason. He's, he's okay with it. He's here with us. And it really brightened our spirits. It really, really did. We were saying, Jackie's here, Jackie's here. And every time we say the word Jack, the lights would flicker. And my daughter got really freaked out. So she's like, I can't stay here. I got to go. So she grabbed her iPad and she went down to the next floor where there's a kitchen. And the lights were not flickering down there. So it wasn't a power grid issue. She was down there for about 15, 20 minutes. And then she was getting hungry. So she came back up and she said, can we not talk about that? It's kind of freaking me out, this whole thing about ghosts or whatever, right? So she's like kind of freaking me out. But at the time on the iPad, she was FaceTiming with her boyfriend back in Canada. So she was saying, yeah, the lights keep flickering every time we say the word Jack. And as soon as she said Jack, the lights started flickering and the boyfriend in Canada saw it on FaceTime. He could see the lights flickering every time we said the word Jack. So she's like, okay, that's it. I'm creeped out. We got to go for supper. So we left the hotel. Wendy was smiling. I was smiling and we thought it was great. And I was like, we, we had a, a Facebook group and there was a lot of people that were following our pictures of our journey and a lot of our family and friends and everything else. And I wanted to write about this light and just the whole story that I just relayed to you guys, I wanted to write a post about that. So I had it all in my head, what I was going to say and everything else. And I needed a photo to catch people's attention. So we're walking down the sidewalk in front of our hotel and I grabbed my cell phone and I said, my wife and daughter were a couple of steps ahead of me. And I said, Hey girls. And I took one photo one and they turned to face towards each other the building next to our hotel was a big apartment building that had been demolished. Like in Toronto, when they demolish a building on the sidewalk, they put up those boards and they put like concert flyers and all that stuff all over the boards. While in Portugal, they hire a mural artist, a graffiti artist to come and paint like a really cool family friendly mural on this whole thing so that it doesn't get dirtied up by all these posters and all this stuff, right? So this mural artist had painted these cartoon animals. There were every animal you could think of, cartoon animals, giraffes, zebras, toucans, all these different, very, very bright, colorful animals painted on this board. There was nothing on this board that was not an animal. There were no buses or trains or cars or anything like that on this board, only animals. And Everything was like Animal Kingdom, except for one. There was a lion, and he was holding up a blue Lego brick with four posts on the top. And when I took my photo, the two girls are looking in towards each other, and between them is the lion holding up the Lego brick. Oh, that's giving me chills. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. So hang on. It's, the chills are going to get more. 
So Jack, when Jack passed away as a Lego customizer, we felt the only thing fitting for him would be to have a Lego brick custom made as an urn for him. So we had a custom made urn for my son to put his ashes and we have it at home. And it's a blue Lego brick with four posts on the top. So it truly was to us like he was with us in Portugal. So backtracking another little bit, when he was sick, obviously all kinds of relatives and family and friends and everything were coming to visit him when he was sick. And one of the people that came to visit him was my mother. My mother visited him and she told a story about my father who had passed away and that my mom would be out on the balcony and the TV would come on for no reason. And she would come in and she would turn it off, go back out on the balcony to read her book or whatever. And the TV would come on again, full blast or whatever. So she kept going back and forth, back and forth. The one time she stopped and she turned the TV off and my father's name was Charles. And she looked up to the sky and she said, Charles, I get it. You're okay. Can you stop screwing with the TV? It's starting to, it's starting to get annoying. And it never did it after that. So my mother told Jack this story and Jack said, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. He says, I'm going to do something like that. But he says, you will know without a doubt that it's me. Like there will be no mistaking that it's me. Because light flickering could be anything, right? Yeah. Uh, in Cardinals could be anything, right? Like this, Jack, I remember specifically before he passed, he said that he specifically told us, he said, I am going to let you know that I'm okay. And he says, I'm going to do it in a way that it will be unquestionable that it's me. He says, there will be no question. You will know for a fact it is me. And then we started finding Lego bricks everywhere. <laughs> I just wonder how many more he's going to give you to see what you can build with them. <laughs> well, that's what somebody said too. Said Somebody said, maybe Jack is sending you all these Lego bricks so you could build something. I, I don't know. They're all different colors and <laughs> I don't know. It but, might uh, turn out really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so for me anyway, and for my for my wife too, it's it's been the Lego bricks. My mother's also found one at her mailbox in her apartment building. Um, my wife has found several. We have a nephew who messaged us one day and he found a Lego uh, jewelry box just in the woods. Like he was out walking around in the woods randomly and he found this Lego jewelry box and he sent us pictures of it. He said, I just found this in the woods. Like, how crazy is that? So that tells us that Jack was looking in on him and you know what I mean? That kind of stuff, obviously. And I don't know how your listeners are going to feel about this, but my wife was obviously very, very distraught. And same thing too, with my daughter, very, very distraught in the immediate aftermath of, of Jack passing. She went, I think the, a year after he passed, it was on her birthday. She had booked a reading at a psychic fair in Woodstock. And we went to Woodstock and it was the three of us. I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I'll go and hang out. Maybe we'll go out to eat or something like that. But I, I really don't want to get involved in the whole psychic thing. So we went together, but we were kind of like off looking at different things. And they had like, you know, uh, incense and candles and crystals and whatever. My wife went over to this girl and there was probably eight or nine of them in the room. And she beelined right to this one and said, I want to, talk, I want to talk to that lady. The lady was with somebody, so she had a clipboard, and you had to sign your name on the clipboard. Wendy just wrote Wendy on the clipboard. So then we went and talked to some other people or whatever, and then we were sort of sitting in the in the chairs like a movie theater. Somebody yelled out Wendy. So she, so my daughter and Wendy got up and went to do this psychic reading. I'm just going to back up again real quick. So 
there was another conversation that I had with Jack when he was still alive, which pertains to this psychic reading. I, I used to spend a lot of nights with him. I had the night shift, Wendy had the day shift. And I used to spend a lot of long, long nights just talking about everything. He got really scared one night and he said, I'm not going to know anybody on the other side. And I said, oh, come on, that's not true. I said, there's, there's going to be people that are there that are, you know, relatives of ours that maybe we didn't even meet that will take care of you, right? He's like, yeah, I'm worried, I'm worried. And he just, out of the blue, he goes, oh, your dad's there. And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I only met your dad like once or twice. And he said, he seemed like a really nice guy. He says, yeah, maybe I'll hang out with your dad. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea, right? So we're at this psychic. The psychic turns around and my daughter and wife were there. And she said, Wendy says, I want to get the reading. And the psychic says, oh, I think I need to read for your daughter, though. I think there's some important stuff for her. So Wendy's like, yep, whatever. Yep, read her. So then she did the whole reading for my daughter. And then at the end, she sort of looks at Wendy and she goes, do you have any other children? And Wendy didn't say no, because it's past tense. She yeah. said, yeah, I do. I have a son, Jack. And she goes, oh. And then she's like, whew. And she sits back and she goes, it's really hard to breathe all of a sudden. She goes, did he pass away? And we're like, holy crap. And she's like, yeah, he passed away like a year ago. She goes, oh my God, it feels like my lungs are full of like fluid, which is how he died. He, he is, his lungs were full of fluid. Mm -hmm. So then, so, so Wendy and Bailey started crying and then the cat was out of the bag at that point. They knew, you know, so then whether, whether you believe in psychics or not, then they had a sort of avenue to sort of keep going, right? So then they were saying, oh yeah, yeah, he, you know, he's, he's with an older gentleman on the other side and, and he's going fishing. And this older gentleman is showing him how to fish. So then- She's like, okay. And she's like, I can't think of who that would be that was interested in fishing. And the psychic turns and points to me sitting in the bleachers and says, who's that guy? And my wife goes, well, that's my husband. She goes, it's with his, he, Jack's with his dad. She had <laughs> no idea. I didn't sign my name or nothing. Like she had no idea it was even with them. And she yeah. says, Jack's with his dad. And Jack said to me, I'm going to hang out with your dad when I go to the other side. So then I was like, Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I, I was kind of freaked out and I started crying and everything too. But then I was like, yeah, but fishing, like my dad never really was into fishing, right? So I thought, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So I relay the story to my mother, who then proceeds to tell me that before she got married to my dad, he was an avid fisherman. And when he got married to my mom, he stopped fishing. He never went after that, like 15, 16 years old. So, and, and they say that you can choose your age when you're on the other side and you can choose to be where you were the happiest. So that must've been my dad when he was his happiest, but yet my son recognized his soul as my dad or something. I don't know. I mean, obviously nobody knows how that works, but yeah. yeah so, so that was kind of weird. And then, um, so then she, she had talked to uh, the psychic and she said, Oh, I want so bad for a sign from Jack. So then the psychic's like, okay, I'll tell him, I'll tell him that you, that you want a sign. She's sort of talking or whatever and, and talking to the spirit of Jack. And she's saying, you know, your mother really wants a sign. Jack's one of his nieces, nephews, whatever, played professional baseball. And she got a game dedicated to Jack when he was still alive and he was very sick. She got a game dedicated to him and she got the game ball, like the game winning ball. And she got both teams to sign it. And that's one of the things that we have at the house still. 
and we have it on a cabinet right up at the top, kind of on the corner. She said, if Jack can make that ball fall, I'll know he's okay. Right. I just want him to make that, that ball fall, this big friggin' green softball. Never fell, never fell for a year and a half. Right. Never fell. So then she went to another psychic and she said, why is he not making the ball fall? And the psychic was talking to Jack's spirit. And Jack said, it's really hard for me to move things in another dimension. It's really difficult for me to move things that are big and heavy. If it was like a cotton ball, maybe I could move a cotton ball. So we went and put a cotton ball beside the big softball. My wife had gone almost two years with no signs of of Jack from Jack, nothing other than dimes, which could be explained away or whatever, but nothing definitive. And the, the, the Lego brick, she's like, that could just be coincidence. Like, you know what I mean? Just, but I don't believe it's coincidence. I believe it's way more than that. But anyway, she's like, Oh, it just could be coincidence, but there's nothing really definitive that says that Jack is alive or Jack is, is still here with us because I wanted him to knock that ball off and he hasn't knocked that ball off. So to Wendy, that ball was the sign, right? So she works for a nursing agency and the nursing agency was getting sued by a family of a person who had passed away that my wife was involved with. And, but lots of nurses were involved with this person and somebody had made a mistake. My wife was worried just like anybody would be when they start talking about lawsuits. I knew she was going to be okay because she's a very good nurse and she's very diligent. She writes down everything she charts. She makes sure she gets her butt covered, right? So I knew she was going to be okay, but she didn't know. And, you know, she was the one that was under the gun. So she was really, really nervous. And she had a really, really, really bad week, one week. And she came home and we were just standing around the kitchen island and we were talking. And I I listened to your first podcast about a lady that said she parked on the train tracks. And I was like, oh my goodness, this happens more than you think, right? So my wife was like, Well, you know, she says, if they do sue and I do lose and I lose my license and I lose my practice and everything else, she says, I could always just take some sleeping pills and be be done with it and go be with Jack. And I got really mad at her because there's me still here. There's her parents still here. There's her daughter still here. I got really mad at that thought process, but I understand that thought process. Absolutely. I mean, she's obviously very heartbroken, right? But I said, you can't trade your heartbreak for our heartbreak because we would all be heartbroken if you were gone right so she goes yeah I know I would never do anything like that but it's just a thought that popped into my head and I said well I don't like you talking like that please don't don't talk like that ever again so she goes upstairs and I went sat on the couch and I was texting somebody on my phone and I hear bump 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 and I said that sounds like a baseball and she goes oh my god oh my god oh my god So I went running upstairs and the baseball was clear on the other side of the room. Oh my. She says it went back. It went behind my head when I walked by and she says, I swear I could feel it like brush past my head. Like it was thrown with force. And she says, that's Jack telling me that everything's going to be okay. And don't do anything rash. Don't do anything stupid. Everything's going to be okay. Like that, that was her sign. She was waiting for it. So then we spent the next two weeks experimenting with that ball and we would knock it and we would shake the cabinet and it would fall and we would flick it and we would knock it. And we did all these things to try and see where the ball would land. We must have knocked that ball off 400 times. And every single time 
it landed within about a two square foot piece on the ground underneath the cabinet. This ball, we have pictures of it. It was clear on the other side of the room. It's like somebody threw it with force. Yeah. So, so for her, that was her sign. She was like, yeah, Jack's okay. Jack, Jack is there. He can communicate with us. Right. Absolutely. He was like, okay, mom, enough of that talk. Like, let's yeah. get on I, with it. I'm, you know, and, and we've had psychics, which, which have helped, you know what I mean? Like, whether you believe them or not, I mean, sometimes just a kind word that is an understanding kind word does wonders for somebody that's grieving like this, right? So to have a psychic say, oh, your son is playing baseball and he's playing football and, and he's running, he's got his leg back and he's running and he's free and he can, no pain and he can do, you know, sometimes whether it's true or not, it's just nice to hear that. It makes you feel good, right? That he's okay. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we've had that before, right? And we've had that, that kind of thing. Yeah, this ball shooting across the room, I'm telling you, that, that was a, an eye-opener for us, you know? Absolutely. And then we started putting all the other pieces together with the Lego bricks and the Lego brick in Portugal and all these different pieces. And we're like, holy crap, like something is seriously, seriously going on. My wife finds a lot of dimes. She She finds dimes like underneath the car floor mats and like under her pillow, like just weird places. She'll find a dime that and it has no earthly business being there. So my wife is a wound care specialist. There's a new treatment that is being spearheaded by a, a doctor or whatever. And it's this new treatment where if you have a wound on your leg or on your arm or on your butt or shoulder or whatever, that's not healing. They put a special type of medicinal cast onto your leg so that the cast is tight to the wound and it's always administering medicine to help that wound heal. There's only a couple of people in all of Ontario that are trained in this casting technique. And there's a couple of doctors as well. And as far as nurses go, my wife is the only nurse that is authorized to cut off these casts. So she was called to a guy's house who had one of these casts on for a wound on his shin. She cut the cast off and broke the cast free and within a centimeter of his wound. So he had a wound that was about the size of a quarter. And within a centimeter, there was a dime pressed into his leg <laughs> that she had to pick off and said, could I keep this? And he's like, sure. So she told him the whole story about the dimes and everything. And he said, sure, we have it in a jar on our fireplace. The dime that was stuck to this guy's leg that of course <laughs> the nurse, when she's putting a cast on, she would not put a dime on yeah. his leg. He would put a cast no, on his leg. And it's so tight somehow, enough that it can't just slide down and in there. <laughs> well, you could, you could, I guess, but he swore he never did. And he had no reason to do that. Now it's possible if he had change in his hand or something, a dime fell out and slid down. He swears he doesn't remember that ever happening, him dropping any money and not being able to find a dime. She cut this cast off and cracked it open. And there's a dime right in front of her stuck to this guy's leg. Like I said, within a centimeter of the wound, she took pictures of it. We have pictures of it. So it's like, you know, just wild and wild, crazy stuff like that. Like just absolutely that can't be a coincidence, you know, and, and I tell Jack's story to my customers all the time. They're very interested and they usually come in and they ask questions about Arthur, who's a service dog and he has a vest on, um, but he's not working in a service service dog capacity anymore because I don't need a service dog. So, but I take care of him and because he has certain behaviors, service dog behaviors, like he'll bark when somebody comes in, but just three times. And he barks to let me know that they're there because 
when a service dog, when his person dies, they usually retire the dog. So Arthur was retired and then they gave him to me. So he's a, a white German shepherd. So he looks like a white wolf. So German shepherds are fiercely loyal to one person. And then service dogs are also fiercely loyal to that one person. But then service dogs, if their person goes away and they don't understand why, they pick somebody else to take care of. So Arthur has decided on me. So he has picked me and I'm his next project. I can't even go to the bathroom without his face in my underwear staring at me if I'm okay. Arthur will bark three times to alert me that a customer is coming in the store. I have Arthur with me. I have, I have my other dog with me and I'm retired and I got my feet up and behind me, I have a, an old reel-to-reel tape deck and I listen to old vintage reel-to-reel tapes and all that stuff. I tell you, I couldn't have planned a better life for myself. And I really truly believe that this is all the architecture of Jack from, that from beyond. Awesome. That is awesome. If you yeah. had some advice for someone who is going through a grieving journey, who had lost a teenage son, what would you tell them? Wow. Well, we were very lucky with Jack. Jack, when Jack was given his diagnosis and told that it was terminal, and, and I'm saying this because I don't know how other parents, how their children would react to that kind of news. That's a, that's a really bad news for a child. Jack was told that his cancer was terminal and that there was no hope and he was going to not live to see 17. And he said, stop all treatment, no more hospital visits, I'm done, I'm going home, I'm gonna live my best life, I'm going to try and spread as much happiness as I can, which that alone for a 16 year old boy that's fully hormonal, like that's unheard of. But anyway, he had a really interesting analogy. He says, your life is a timeline. And he says, and you're born and you're with your parents and you go to school and then you get married and then you have jobs and then you, you retire from your jobs and then you, you, you die, right? And he says, so my deck of cards, this piece here has been taken away. So I'm 16 and now I'm retired. I missed all that stuff in the middle. I missed the car driving. I missed the getting drunk. I missed the girlfriends. I missed all that stuff, getting married, children, all that. I don't get that. He says, but now I'm retired. And he says, I'm going to watch the shows that I want to watch. I'm going to eat the food that I want to eat. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so for us, we were very, very fortunate because he was extremely mature beyond his years with that kind of devastating news. And I don't know a lot of kids that would act that way. As far as the grieving process, I know it sounds cliche. It really does but it's one step in one foot in front of the other. Like, you know, Wendy and I both kept very, very busy, which was massively helpful. We did this whole uh, European trip and put it all on our daughter to sort of plan all the adventures and all that stuff. So that kept her busy. And the three of us keeping very, very busy and doing things really helped propel that foot forward and just allowed us to sort of get inside that. I mean, we still cry. I mean, we'll, we'll still, I was telling my wife the other day that I was going to be interviewing for this. And we started reminiscing about stories about Jack and we both started crying in the kitchen. You know what I mean? So it, it still, it still hurts very, very often. One of the things I believe that's offset the hurt, believe it or not, is actually this medical store. I think that I have a shared story with a lot of my customers, whether it's identical or not. Uh, a customer will come in and say they have a parent that needs a walker. Well, my 16-year-old son needed a walker. 
So I had to learn how to size people for walkers and what's the right walker for different types of people. And now I sell them. So, you know, somebody looking at me, 54 year old guy that used to, you know, tour with rock bands as a photographer and, and drove truck. You're thinking, what the hell do you know about walkers and wheelchairs and all this stuff? Right. But because I went through it, I have a very unique perspective on that, which I believe connects me better with my customers. That's because I used to teach yoga and I went through the whole yoga training program and all that stuff, which I never took that any further than that. But I do have that knowledge and I do have that learning. And one of the things that I remember from that training, and it was one of the yogis that I had talked to, he said, people try very, very hard to fight against the path that the universe has laid out for you. They say, no, I have to be a doctor by the time I'm 28. And that's my plan. That's my plan. And the universe is screaming with all kinds of signs saying, no, 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 go this way, go this way. And you're refusing to do what the universe is telling you to do. And you're, no, I got to be a doctor. I got to stay in school. I got to do this. And they're just not listening to the universe. When you stop, maybe that's my unique perspective, but when you stop and sit back and actually allow the universe to tell you where to go and you're willing to follow it, then I could be a truck driver one day and write a check to a guy the next day for a medical store and buy a medical store and live my best life because I wasn't attached to the, to the idea of being a truck driver. I wasn't attached to the idea of being a yoga teacher. I wasn't attached to any ideas. If the universe told me there was something else that I should be doing, I just followed it. And I just followed the path that the universe laid out for me. And now it's the universe because Jack's part of the universe. So Jack is, is helping out to lay out that path, right? Yes, absolutely. That's amazing. If somebody wanted to find you online, where would you direct them? We're just the, the, the store is on Facebook and we it's just a little medical store in Tilsonburg. It's independently owned. It's my wife and I that own it. Pretty easy to find. It's called Grand Medical Supplies. Grand Medical Supplies and Company. And the and company is actually Jack. That's our nod to Jack because we believe that Jack helped us get this store. The store used to be called Grand Medical Supply. And when we bought it, we changed the name to Grand Medical Supply and Company. And the and company is Jack. That's our little thing that most people don't know. But it's a cute little thing that is on our sign. It's on our business cards. It's on our Facebook page and everything else. It's on all our invoices and our receipts and everything. And that, to me, is our little nod that Jack is an integral part of this adventure that we're on. Mm. Well, thank you so much. We'll put the link down in the show notes so people can access it quickly and go have a look and see what you offer. Thank you for sharing your story. It's been amazing. It feels like Jack has been with us for this hour. I just can't believe that some of the things that have happened, just amazing. Well, one thing my wife and I both agree on, and that's another thing too, you might talk about uh, somebody that you you would ask the question about somebody that's dealing with grief of of a teenager, losing a teenager. It helps to talk about them. It helps to talk about them and whether it's stories that from the other side that they're communicating with you or just talking about things that you are proud of them, that they did, things that they accomplished in their life. It's really good to talk about them. It makes us feel like they're still here and we can be proud of them. And my advice would be to your listeners, if you find somebody that you're talking about your son or daughter that's that's passed away and you see an eye roll or something and they're like, oh, not this again or whatever. You're talking to the wrong people. 
you need to find different people to talk to because there are a lot of people that are going through the same kind of thing. It's a very exclusive club, but there's a lot of members to this exclusive club. And we love talking about our people. You know what I mean? We love talking about, about people that have gone on and the things that they accomplished and the way that they still touch our lives every day. It really makes us feel like they're still here. They're just they're not right beside us. They're just, they're over there somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, absolutely. And that's the whole reason behind, uh, one of the other reasons behind this podcast is to take the time and honor people. And some people come with stories of a lot of pain and they're still right in the throes of grief, where other yeah. people come from more of a refreshing perspective, like you just sound so excited to talk about your son. And it's got me really excited to think, oh, wow, it's just amazing. I, all day long. And yeah. my wife I mean, she's she she has patients all the time that she sees five, six, ten a day. And, you know, she's she's got certain little things that she says or certain little stories that she starts to tell or little catchphrases or whatever. And she says, I've gotten really, really good at reading my patients if I can talk about Jack. And she says the ones that they can't wait, they're like, when are you coming back so you can tell us more stories about Jack? So she's got her own set of people that really enjoy hearing stories about Jack, which makes her able to tell them, which makes her feel better about it. If anybody takes anything out of listening to me, please take that. If you have somebody or, or even a group of people that roll their eyes when you talk about somebody that you've lost, trust me, you're talking to the wrong people. You need to talk to somebody else. Talk to somebody that is excited and just eyes open and listening to your story and maybe has a story of their own to share that you can be excited about because there are people that really, really enjoy talking about people that, that are no longer here, you know? That's right. That's right. Because we love them and that this is our love expressing and coming through. Well, for thank sure. you again, Dan, for taking the time with us and we'll look forward to maybe hearing more stories at another time. <laughs> Take care. Interview part two coming, coming <laughs> soon. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. We're grateful to our guests for sharing their experiences and knowledge of the grieving journey. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and a review. You can follow us on social media through the links offered in the show notes. If you know somebody who could benefit from this podcast, please be sure to share it with them. A special shout out to Kevin McLeod and Computech for the background music entitled Happy Dreams. If you yourself have a story that you'd like to share, please email me at reikiandyoga at yahoo.com. I look forward to speaking with you.